Good evening, everyone. All alcoholics. Um, I want to go over something we went over on Monday. Repetition is helpful. Uh, it's like every night that you come here. I know, just not just for these talks, but every day your mental state may be a little different. So, one day you won't be able to hear it. The next day you'll be able to hear it. So. There's a lot of things, but I think this is really, uh, this one hit me the strongest. The one about, just just before you go into the fourth step inventory, the, uh, the uh, instructions, and the three, pe- you know, the three previous pages after how it works has talked about the, uh, the unsuccessfulness of a life run on self-will and that the root of the problem is selfishness, self-centeredness, that, you know, no human power is going to get you relief from it, yeah? only a divine power, so on and so forth. And so they lead you to a point where if you've gone over those pages with someone and looked at your own experiences, that it gets into doing the fourth step. And I remember when I used to do the fourth step uh, workshop, I used to uh, use an example of... of me having a store, a clothes store, and uh, I'm pretty happy with the store. I'm selling a lot of stuff, and then I get an idea that elephant bells are going to be coming back. Yeah, so I buy about a thousand pair of elephant bells and uh, put them on sale. And they're not moving. You know, my girlfriend buys one, but she returns it when I'm not working. You know? <laughs> uh, what happens is I got this big inventory of unsaleable goods in a way. And my self-respect and everything starts going down, and people are walking in, and I'm not vacuuming the place, and they're stealing shirts and stuff. I don't even run after them. And I start losing money. Yeah? And I'm not, when I go home, I don't want to tell my girlfriend the condition of the, uh, the uh, store and stuff like that, and my pride and my self-esteem is suffering, and my financial ambitions seem to be threatened. Yeah? So this is sort of the condition of my life, in a way. And then one guy, one day a guy walks in and says, hey, listen, I'd like to buy the store from you. And at the condition I think it's in, I go gladly. Where do I sign? So I sign the papers, and uh, I'm ready to go. And he says, no, 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 you're going to stay on. It's just that you don't own the place anymore. And so, all right, I'm in that new state. And uh, the phone rings, and it's a creditor, and it says, Am I speaking to the owner? I go, no. (laughs) And I go home that night and I can tell my girlfriend everything that's been going on because the pressure's off. Not that the store's gone or anything. It's just the sense of being the owner of the store has I've been relieved of. Yeah? I'm not the proprietor anymore. I'm sort of a caretaker of the store, but it's not uh, it's not under my supervision. So that's sort of the attitude of the fourth step. We're going to turn our life over and to the care of a power greater than ourselves, and that's the real where the relief is. It's in the it's in the relief of not managing, yeah? because if you really look at your life, I bet you if you looked at the unmanageability of your life, it would be rooted back into you trying to manage it. Yeah? So at that point, when you surrender, you're not trying to run the store anymore. It's not your store. Yeah. You're a representative, and you're trying to follow the wishes of the new owner. Or like it says in this a page or two before this, that you have a new employer, 
being all-powerful. It's going to take care of you if you do two things. One of them is to stay close to it. And if the higher powers has anything to do with what they used to teach in Catholic, you know, uh, Catholic school, which is the qualities of a god is one of them is omnipresent, so it's everywhere. So you, you couldn't stay far from it. Yeah, that's presence. So the first requirement's already met, and the second requirement is just to por- perform his or her whatever you want to call it works well, which is service. So as long as you're giving it away, you're going to have it to some extent. Yeah. So that's sort of the and, uh, so that's sort of I believe is the spirit of the step. Yeah. We're going to take the thing that's actually the nexus or the root of our troubles is that all our agendas, which are driven by instinctual drives, are being lorded over by this idea of being a self. Yeah, and Like when I did my sexual inventory, it was funny because I didn't, ha- I didn't run after sex for sex point, sex's sake, but I ran after it for self-esteem. Yeah? So my idea, like, I, nothing was going for me, but if a pretty girl would say yes to, to sleeping with me, I thought I was okay. Now, that okayness didn't last, so I had to keep going out to get that hit of okayness. It was like a drug. Yeah? And that, that just kept me to, uh, from facing what was really going on, that I was screwed while I was screwing them. <laughs> I got a little relief. I got a little relief from being screwed. Yeah? Seemingly. But I wasn't, but it seemed like it, yeah. So I was out there running around like crazy trying to act out because I needed to feel better about myself. Yeah? So this is sort of the stuff that gets closed here. So uh, in this in this it goes, okay, being convinced, which is the third paragraph in this page 64, it says, so being convinced, which means to believe with certainty if you read it into it, yeah? That's self. And now the self is a really, you know, this is a pivotal thing in the program. They talk about self quite a lot, yeah? And so... The only thing you really need to know about is it, it's not you. That's a good starting point. And he's stating that fact right here very clearly. It says, being convinced that self manifested in all these ways has defeated us. So here's the us. And obviously we can't be self if the self's defeating us. Yeah? You know what I mean? It's a, di- it's, it's a different beast altogether. Now what I found over time that it was the identification as that self. In other words, the thing that's defeating me, I take myself to be. So the defeat continues, continually goes on. Even when I'm looking for a victory, I'm being defeated. Yeah. Because I'm identified with the problem. At that point, like the, uh, in the book it says, we're not people with problems, we are the problem. The only way we could ever get a real solution from it, if we were the problem, it would be impossible. But if the problem is rooted in identification as that, so we seem to be the problem, but in fact we're not. That's why we can get relief from it. Yeah, You know what I mean? If you were the problem, it made sense to keep getting loaded. Seriously. Yeah. But if you are the problem only because you're identified as that which you're not, then there's a damn good solution in that recognition. So it says being convinced that self manifested in various ways. So it does it in a lot of ways. Self-pity, all this stuff. Yeah, resentments. But the thing is, it, this is the important statement. 
It manifested in various ways as what had defeated us. We considered its common manifestations, if you're convinced of that, meaning its, meaning self's manifestations in one's life. Obviously, the next paragraph is resentment. So resentment is one of the common manifestations of self. Yeah? In this life, that's defeating us. Fear is another one, and then acting out, looking for our agenda to get met is another one. Yeah, And there's many, many manifestations, but they're not of you, but they are of self. Yeah, I, can't, you, I don't see how you can read it any other way. I, can't, I don't see how you can read this any other way. Being convinced that self manifested in various ways is what had defeated us. That's us. <laughs> self is other than us yeah if it, if it was us it would have said us has defeated us in manifesting in many ways you know but it doesn't say that it says self has defeated us yeah so there is a very big distinction now the distinction gets super blurred in the act of being identified as self because now you're calling the expressions of self yours. Listen when people talk. Yeah. And listen, most of the directions people get from to do the inventory doesn't have this sense. There's not a separation of self and you. You're looking at your resentments, your fears, your harming other people. Yeah, but in, in, in actuality... The fourth step is to see the patterns of self, how self-defeated you, not your patterns. Yeah? Your patterns are underneath the patterns of self. The self is more dominant than you right now. You've been taken over. Yeah? You and I have been taken over, and it's using us for transportation. Our expressions are very, very muffled, and its, its expressions are very, very amplified. Yet, while they're pouring out of us, I mean, they've clouded the way we see things. We see things as threats when there is no threat. We're in tons of anxiety that's, that's mimicking the physiological effects of fear. Yet it's not produced by something happening. It's produced by thinking about something that's not happening. Yeah? How are you going to deal with something as, a, as true when its source is bogus? How am I going to deal with something that's not ha happening other than seeing that it's not happening? As soon as I apply it, a solution to it, it makes it seem like it's happening. Yeah? Self cannot get out of self. That's why if you're identified as self, yeah, and you try to get out of self, you're going to be getting out of self as self. Yeah? And therefore, the whole situation, you can't get out of self as a self. The only way to get out of self is realize you're not one. Yeah? It's prior to ever it's prior to the supposed event of being in it, that's why you can stay out of it. You see that it is impossible for that to be me. Yeah. That's the grace of this program. First the separation, all right, self and us are different. Then we do an inventory to see what the expressions of self in my life are. And if there's a lot of expressions of self, that sort of verifies that you're identified as it. Yeah? Because how does it have such carte blanche in your life? Every subject and topic of your life, it never, its papers never get checked. As soon as it enters, you say, me. Yeah? 
Come on in me to the, my relationships. Come on in me with money. Come on in me. And then it, then it provokes the ways to, the manifestations of the defeat of you. Yeah. Some people are in anxiety about money. It doesn't matter how much money they have. It has nothing to do with the amount of money. It has to do with the belief it's never going to be enough. Yeah? So they say, unless you let go of all your old ideas, the results will be nil. What's the oldest idea you've ever, ever entertained that you're a self? You can't entertain that you're a spirit while you're entertaining yourself. You'll entertain trying to become spiritual. It's like trying to graft on spirituality to a body. It's not going to take hold. Yeah. But what if you are spirit? And the recognition of that. So for me, this is one of the most pivotal statements in the book. Because the big work starts at the first step. It's nice to have the direction in the correct way. The step in the correct way. Yeah. If I keep calling those things mine... They're going to still be called mine after the fourth and fifth step. Because the glue to the resentment isn't the resentment. The glue of the resentment is it's mine. It's my fear, my resentment. That's what's gluing it. That's what keeps the resentment going on for 30 freaking years. The resentment doesn't have that length of life. It's not like radioactivity. It passes very quickly. We're pumping life into it by calling it ours. We're giving our God juice to the thing that's playing God, which is self. And that's another important statement in the book. Be, prior to the third step, it says, hey, baby, first, you got to quit playing God. Then next in this drama of life, God's going to be the director and we're going to be the servant. You don't, get, you don't go, God's going to be the director and I'm going to be the servant when you didn't do checked out the playing God because you'll be playing God with God and therefore you'll surrender it like we talked the other night and then take it back when it's convenient to you and then when it gets hot and shitty try to surrender it to the God again like a take out take in window I better pull up here take it but the girl no I want that no take this no my body image oh no that yeah. how much power does that God have that it, that it allows you to keep taking it back you'll never get to the state of surrendered you'll always be playing around with a false surrender and the false taking it back and false 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 surrendered is a different, different state it gets stabilized now you can really have and enjoy peace of mind and actually happiness and joyousness and freedom has a foundation to grow on it's not shaky and agitated all the time you've had a sober assessment of the situation and the situation is you're screwed yeah. you are literally screwed and if you're insane enough to think that's not true and look at all the people who thought that same thing and they're back here <laughs> this parasite is a parasite it doesn't have a life it takes one you're not going to teach it to be nice you're not going to change its stripes you know? you're not going to therapize it into civility you're not going to socialize it to have a five year relationship it ain't going to work the thing's going to override your meager attempts to get out from underneath it and it's going to use you for transportation you won't die 
because you're a toast. It doesn't want you to die. Most alcoholics don't die a quick death. They're, they just keep on cooking for 20, 25 years. I lived in Haight-Ashbury when I first was sober. I go back there now. I see some of the same street people. They have abscesses, limps. Maybe one leg, half a leg got cut off. They're still cooking. You know That parasite ain't going to let them go. It's going to suck every last drop of them. Yeah. You'd, be, you'd be lucky if you died fast. Seriously. Yeah. So this statement gives me, in a way, a direction. It's like you know, having a cold, let's, and then you think you have the flu. Yeah? So you buy a lot of flu medicine, and you take it religiously, and you get a little relief because the flu and the cold have common symptoms. But you don't get radical relief because you've misdiagnosed. You don't have a cold, you have the flu. It's not obsession with self, in my humble opinion. I believe the obsession of the mind with the idea of self is how it reinforces the identification as a self. Yeah? Because the identification as a self is not natural. It needs to be reinforced all day. The glue to the bondage of self has to be reapplied every freaking moment. Because if it didn't, if it didn't, you would see the big freaking gap. You'd be in a pause. Yeah. So what happens is, it looks like it's it looks it looks it looks it's seemingly seemingly seemingly, but it's never actually so because it can't be so. Spirit cannot be a body mind hybrid. It's spirit for first and foremost. Not later on. You do not become spiritual. You are spirit. It's like trying to put the, the cart in front of the horse. You, you, you've already, the mind's already determined you're this, and now you're looking for spirituality as maybe the last advantage. Maybe I can feel better like this, but never questioning this. If this ain't you, then what are you going to find out about what you are? You may find out your spirit. Yeah. And you know what comes with that? A lot of, a lot of freedom. <laughs> from what? The bondage of self. So, if you follow that thing, self's expressing itself in all these ways, we look at some of the common ones in the introductory inventory. Resentments, which means to refeel, right? Re means do again, and centere means to feel. So basically, a resentment is just being revoked back into the past. Yeah? Somebody did something like this to me in the past. Yeah? So that's what happens. And if you've watched your mind, if you have a miracle today, you forget it by 1 o'clock usually, yeah? But you're entertaining a resentment that never happened for 30 freaking years. Do you want that to be the navigator of your life? Seriously. Do you think it's going to be any different? Take one example of it and you see the theme of it. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't break its characteristics. If you're having a good day, I bet you it may last 15 minutes and then you start questioning, are they going to find out I don't deserve it or I'm an asshole, whatever it may be. But if you're having a bad day, it gets elongated into forever. <laughs> you're living under that every day. Every day, in and out. Even with your greatest hopes and wishes. Yeah? It'll shit all over it if you ever arrive at it. If you want to li- if you want to go to Hawaii and you're thinking about it while you're working, I bet you when you get to Hawaii you'll be thinking about work. <laughs> you won't be able to freaking enjoy a damn thing. 
It's never here now. It never is appropriately located where you actually are. It's a story going about there and then. And because it's about us, we're attracted to the story. And it has enough ability from our own power to block you out from recognizing what's actually happening. That's pretty powerful. That a thought can blind you to this event because in this event, we're seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and touching. Yeah, In that event, all it is is thought. It's thought and our attention matched and it's reducing an effect right now. Yet, and what happens is that effect becomes more predominant than the effects of seeing, feeling, hearing, tasting, touching. Talk about being sucked up in ass of self. To me, that's it. I forget all about conscious contact and now I'm only in a contact with a mental story. Of course you're going to feel unhappy and dissatisfied, irritable, restless, and discontent. And I'm and sure you're going to be motivated, motivated to almost do anything to get out of that fucking agitation. Yeah? But that's the double whammy. If you try to get out of it as self, that's still self. You're never walking away from the scene of the crime. You are the scene of the crime. <laughs> you are. Um, this isn't this isn't theory. I've seen it. I'm 25 years sober. I have seen it. The grace of this program entered into me, and it revealed a lot of stuff about what I'm not. And I go around and I share it with the hopes that you recognize it, because what happened when I recognize it, a huge amount of relief occurred. And I expect the same will happen to you in its own way, in your life. Yeah. It's like you're in this room... And no, everything's exactly the same, but you drop down like 10 feet. It's like you find a, a level of relaxation that 50 Thai massages couldn't produce. Yeah? It's just, I mean, the biggest weight of all is the identification itself. That's the rock that they talk about. Put down the rock. That's the rock. It's very difficult to put down the rock if you think you're the one who's putting down the rock. Yeah? If that's the rock and you think you're the one who's putting down the rock, that ain't putting down the rock. Yeah? you got to see what the hell is, where's the identification? And if it's in this, it will explain why you're so screwed pretty easily and why everyone in this room has the basic common characteristics. We think similarly, we feel, we behave in certain ways, and you go all around the world and you meet someone who's under the throes of alcoholism, and they basically demonstrate the same characteristics as people in Hoboken and Dover, Lincoln, Mass, everyone else. There's only one parasite that's taken over millions of people. Yeah? And the big book revealed some of its characteristics. So what? So we could recognize it. And then maybe take that recognition a little farther and say, I'm not that. Yeah. What happened with me when I saw it as not me, the next thing my mind went to is I can be free of it. Not free for it, but from it. I've been li- I was trying to be free as it for so freaking long, and it doesn't freaking work. But freedom from it started to happen immediately. And it hasn't stopped. It's not, that it's, it's not that your feeling to be free is off. It's how it's being manipulated. Yeah, It's actually being hijacked 
to further the bondage of self. You're trying to become a free self. Where that does that word free is not synonymous with self. The word bondage is synonymous with self. What is bound will not be free by its own mechanism. It'll use it to be more bound. It can't think outside its parasitical box, but you can because you're not it. You can see it. You can see the beast. You don't have to see it from head to tail. Just a little bit of its hindquarters will do. When you see that fucking ass of self, you'll realize this isn't going to be good. (laughs) Seriously. You don't have to go through all the punishment in hells. You can learn from other people's mistakes. Instead of, I couldn't learn from my own out there. But now I can learn from others. I go to meetings and I get a lot of stuff from them, from meetings. And one of them is a reminder of where I don't want to be. Because I listened to a lot of people talk about the problem from the problem, which is a big problem. It doesn't make it attractive. I want to hear from the solution, yeah? And part of hearing it from the solution is a damn good description of the problem. Not a description of how life looks from the problem. I've had that already. But a description, what it's like, so that you recognize it's not you. So the peace won't get hijacked. Your nobility or your that honest, authentic sense of wanting to be at peace won't be hijacked and used for another form of slavery. Yeah? Because the only thing that parasite respects is a greater power. And we've been introduced to a greater power. AA is a freaking magnifying glass for a power that's greater than the parasite of alcoholism. That's why it's the solution. Yeah? We get it every day at every freaking meeting. This loving God is expressing itself through our group conscience. And I don't care how much a train of self-will you were on before, it can be derailed at an hour meeting. By more than 10 minutes, your whole thing of total self-destruction gets derailed and you're feeling pretty damn good when you leave. How many times has it failed me? Absolutely none. Yeah, Because I don't go to the meeting. I go to and I sense the presence at the meeting. And that presence is what took me out of freaking hell. Yeah. Yes. And it's available. That thing, that thing, it wasn't just, it's, it's on offer. It wasn't on offer until 1935, and now it's always on offer. And I don't believe it's ever going to not be on offer again. The grace has come in, and that grace is infinite. It's, the only thing is, is for us to partake in it. That's it. If the little bit of reluctance or unwillingness will block it off. This is a great program, but the dilemma is most of the people that need it don't want it. They've been so taken over, the only way they're going to learn is get get their ass kicked. And it's going to happen over and over again. It would be nice if we could save some time, but that's sometimes the best teacher. If I run into a person and they don't want it, I say, great. You know, me talking to them isn't going to do a damn thing. Sometimes I meet these guys and they put this idea of getting loaded again in like a little clamshell inside. And they're making a little pearl. And as they're listening to me, they're like, basically saying, fuck you, I'm just going to get loaded when I leave. I said, I said, hit the road. You know, that's it. That's your destiny. Go for it. 
I'm not going with you. I'm here. See, it's like that's my little definition of alcoholics and recovered alcoholics. The alcoholic calls you after they drink. And the recovered alcoholic calls you before they drink. Because something can happen before you drink. After you drink, it's a fucking done deal. Yeah, now it's all damage control. That's the dilemma in AA. AA is a beautiful way of life, but most people who really need it don't want it. I don't know how to produce willingness. We say pray for it. Yeah. And I don't think you need much willingness. Like it says, willing to go to any lengths. Any length may mean no length. I have it all the time. People call me up one in the morning and they say, Paul, we got a guy, we want to take him to a, a detox now. So I say, all right. I start putting my pants on or anything like that. They call me back. Oh, don't worry about it. We dealt with it. I get the creds, but I didn't have to do anything. See? I was willing, but I wasn't called on to do anything. And that happens quite a lot. Really. I'm willing to show up, but usually I, I don't need, you know, we don't need you. The willingness is the key. All you need is a little willingness, and it will be matched by this higher power. But it won't match reluctance and resistance. It will let you have that yourself. It won't. It will not. If that's what you want, go ahead. It's not going to break. It's not going to barge in on your party. It isn't. But if there's a little bit of willingness, it's like you take the one step, it takes 99 steps. It's sort of like that. It truly is. Because there's that idea of, you know, God can do for us what we can't do for ourselves. That thing gets bigger and bigger. You realize more and more what you can't do for yourself. And you surrender it in there. And then you see what you get back is an incredible recycled life. One that you would have said had no value. When you surrender it to this power, what you thought was the, the life of absolutely no value, value is now helping other people. Yeah, You can't see that as the greatest recycling of all. And some of us hit those walls where we thought we had absolutely no value whatsoever. Last five years of my life, I didn't do fucking anything except take, 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 take. I come in here, and those five years are valuable to be of a help to others. It's unbelievable, yeah? It's an unbelievable system. Here we are. You need to carry the message, yeah? Someone, I need to hear the message. Then the next day, I need to carry the message. You need to hear the message. It's incredibly symbiotic. All of us need to carry and hear the message. But we're not all doing it. We're not all carrying it, and we're not all hearing it. It mixes, yeah? One day you're carrying it, next day you're hearing it. And it just keeps this incredible flow going, this incredible flow, and that's the lifeblood of our freaking program. Yeah? But why not get the, di- the diagnosis correct? Yeah. This is all, I'm not just humbling offer, off, offering what I saw in about my 11th year. I saw it wasn't obsession with self. I saw it was this verb called identification as a self. Yeah? It's an activity. And I know it's very difficult to imagine because it's hard to imagine you're not what you're feeling you are. But to put the possibility in there, not saying yes or no, not believing it, just put it in there. Let it get in there. See what it does to your mental makeup. Yeah, See what it does... You think it's your house. I think it isn't. I think it is a fucking house of cards. And once you start telling the truth about it, you'll see. Yeah? And then, then happiness, joy, and freedom is available. But for more so, it's enjoyment of peace and contentment. You become content. 
and you are now are satisfied where before you had that the baseline was irritability, irritability, restlessness, and discontent. Now it's like an ease and comfort in your days. Jesus Christ, that's incredibly valuable. And then you're grateful for what's absent in your life. And if you need a reminder, you go to meetings and hear someone share, and it's present in their life. The act of alcoholism. And you're freaking forever grateful for that not having sway anymore. Incredible gratitude. I couldn't believe, you know, that hell was way, that was way too much. I mean, not too many people get run over twice in one night. (laughs) You know, they don't. The extreme hate that was in that selfing was mind-boggling. I have more scars. My body is just full of freaking scars from here to there, from down here, everywhere. All from activities. You know, like they say, you never, you know, I didn't get trouble. I didn't get in trouble every time I drank, but every time I got in trouble, I'd been drinking. Every freaking time in my life. That was part of the, the, that was part of the equation. Every freaking time, you know? The denial is so strong, you can't put it together. You know, when you shoot up drugs with, with spit, you know what you're going to happen, yeah? But the drive was, you couldn't wait. You didn't have the water bottle in the car, and you couldn't wait to get home, so you did it. And funny, right in front of a hospital. Shot up, and then the abscess shows up. And it's sort of like that sense of, I'm willing to pay any consequence tomorrow not to feel uncomfortable now. That's how it was, you know? I knew, basically, this was going to happen, but I had to have that shot. I had to have it. Yeah. The unbearability of being me was fucking driving me to try to get out of self. Yet, every time it drove out of self, I parked right in the driveway of self. <laughs> Literally. And then it, I really wondered about it. I said, how can I not transcend this? I've shot huge amounts of drugs. And my, I was, it was like a religion to me. Literally. I thought if I taught my mind tight enough and it snapped, I'd be free. That was fucking fool's gold. No way. <laughs> it didn't happen. I didn't transcend it. Because you can't transcend an imaginary thing. I wasn't where I was. I, I wasn't where I thought I was. Yeah? I wasn't in the moment. I was in a mental moment. Yeah? I was trying to get out of the moment, but what I was trapped in wasn't the moment. It was a mental moment. And you can't get out of a mental thing. It's not fucking real. Yeah. And all the while, right where I was, was the solution to it. And, and, but that's, the problem knew that, and it wanted me out of here at all costs, sucked me up into his mental realm, and I did not want to be at that moment. I did not want to be here. I took this to be here. It's, this is just a mental freaking activity. It's going to pass. Nothing's going to freaking kill you. Yeah? You've got to grow up in this program. You can't keep avoiding it. You're going to feel uncomfortable and not have anything to do about it. And then you'll break the back of it. Because it's a form of slavery if you give in to something like that every freaking time. Yeah? Every time you feel like, oh, this is uncomfortable and you go right to getting loaded, you're going to be getting loaded a long time. Yeah? In a way, you got to have balls. you got to grow up. I didn't want to do it. Like I came in this program when I was 36. I, tr- I tried to stay out as long as freaking possible. Spent two years and three months in programs. Tons of jail time, hospital times. And, uh, man, I wasn't looking good. 
You know, when I was young, I was sort of charming. I could get away with shit. Now I was, a, it was getting a little old and frayed around the edges. You know what I mean? I wasn't usually going home with a woman after I left the bar. I was trying to find a sleep, trying to find a place to sleep on top of the bar. That's what I was doing. up on Kelly Moore paint store roofs and sleeping there. And then try to really, with a lot of grace, climb down in the morning. <laughs> I got it going on. <laughs> I do. I'm a prize, baby. You missing a prize? <laughs> the, the freaking story is unbelievable. We're so out of touch with reality. I mean, it's amazing, you know. So. <laughs> So now, since a long time, you know, the problem hasn't existed for me. That's a damn good solution, man. I mean, it hasn't existed for me. And the, how that's going to stabilize when it doesn't exist as you. You can have an experience that doesn't exist, exist for you, but you're going to lose that experience if it continues to exist as you. Yeah? The root of the problem isn't something happening to you. It's the you that it's happening to. That you may not be you. You weren't that when you were a baby, and you're not that now. Yeah. And in fact, if that activity in the head paused long enough, you'd have a direct hit you're not that. Yeah. Now you can find it in the pauses the AA program provides. The manipulated pauses of meetings, which is not what it does, and then the pauses that come from that honoring that power. Yeah. You ever had it? When something that was a knee-jerk reaction that caused terrible consequences suddenly gets stopped and there's a pause there and then you see it starting to rise to inception but your interest attention doesn't go there and the girl didn't even know you were ready to flip out. Yeah, Nothing, it's just, it's like, doesn't leave a fucking footprint in your life where those days when that activity occurred, I was in jail usually for months after that. Yeah? Now the pause just stops it in its tracks. And what happens? Your life has a chance to go in another direction. Yeah? And the more and more it gets that momentum of going there, you'll never go off the, the uh, highway and take that fucking stop. Yeah? You'll just keep on going. And you know, <coughs> a momentum will build up in this program. You keep choosing in, on the basis of principles in your life, a momentum is going to build up and it's going to push you through the things you never thought you could move through. It has me. Yeah. And I don't see myself as anything different. I'm talking about mind, and I'm talking about an alcoholic mind. And every one of us have those two possibilities. You can have a mind free from the alcoholism, or you can have a mind bonded by the alcoholism. Yeah? Hmm. So I'm going to just run through the steps quickly, yeah? So the first step. Palace over alcohol, our lives, and our, because we were palace over alcohol, lives became unmanageable. I don't really like that <laughs> the way that's written because the way it sounded to me was cause and effect. Yeah, I believe that. All right, if I stop drinking, then all the unmanageability will stop. Yeah, and yet it was I was proven wrong. So it's not. I like the way it says it and how it works at the at the bottom where it says to be convinced of these three pertinent ideas. And our experiences before and after sobriety will verify them. And the first one is, I am an alcoholic and my life is unmanageable. So the alcoholism is producing unmanageability, not the drinking. 
Yeah? Because the drinking came after for me, the, the alcoholism. The alcoholism was what drove me to drink. Yeah? So to get that right was important to me. And the idea of powerlessness is like that thing about dancing with a gorilla. You're going to stop when it wants to stop. Yeah? <laughs> but, and we have incredible intimate experience of being powerless, yet the, 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 being the real root of the disease is identification of self. The biggest fun foundation of self is that you're the doer. You're the doer of thinking, you're the doer of feeling, you're the doer of actions, you're the doer of every, a lot of things, yeah? If it could claim breathing and digestion, it would, but it's too <laughs> obvious, you know? Like I can't say, uh, you know, I'm di- I got to go home and digest that burrito I had. At <laughs> I would laugh, you would laugh just like that. But we say that we're the thinker of a much more subtle body process, which is thinking. We believe we're the thinker of it, Yeah. We believe we're the thinker of something really we have nothing to do with in a sense. Not as the, we're not the doer of the thinking. We may react to it, but we're not the doer of it, yeah? So that idea of being the doer is what produces a lot of guilt and shame for what seemingly you did, yeah? Now, if that's coming from the root of the problem, identification of self, even relief from alcoholism, people are still taking, uh, having guilt and shame about the behaviors they perform. They acted out while under the influence of drugs. Why aren't they let off that hook? Because that sense of doership is incredibly important to selfing. So people, they got that they were powerless. I mean, it's as clear as day. Yet, the, the identification as the doer is so strong still, they're still mining guilt and shame for those past events. They haven't been let off their own hook. Yeah, They're willing to forgive other people, but they're not able to forgive themselves yet. To me, that's because if that's rooted in the original disease. I believe the original disease, disease everyone's suffering from is the mind's addiction to the idea of being self. Everybody, yeah? We just took a different way to get relief from it, which is using drugs and alcohol, yeah? And the reason why addictions don't work, I, you know, you never reach a point where you're satiated in addictions, is because they're not that. They're about getting freed from that bondage of self, and none of it's fucking working because we're trying to get freed from that bondage as a self. Yeah? So we do drugs, and then that gets away, takes away from us. Then it's pornography, maybe, or gambling, or shopping, and it's going to keep attempting because the irritability, restlessness, and discontent is still there. Yeah? I found the relief from that, the irritability, restless, discontent comes from realizing you're not that. You're not that idea of being a self. I'm telling you. I don't know how to put it, but I really sincerely believe you're not that. <laughs> I swear. You have plenty of evidence. When you were a baby, you, there was no sense of self. It came later. It's a production of the brain. Yeah, The brain, brain produced it. It had to develop to a point where it could produce it. It took about 18 months, they say, in research. Then the sense of self starts coming up. Then the, it's usually accompanied with the language, and one of the big words is mine. Mine, 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 mine. Exactly. There's the dilemma in a way. Yeah. So the first step, the palace, and then the life is unmanageable. I just found out that it was because I was trying to manage it. Yeah. 
and I'm not managerial quality. And so the third step sounded really attractive to me, seriously. And I had evidence of it because I spent two years in a program a lot more sterner than this, two years in a place called Delancey Street in San Francisco. And I, uh, when I left there, I graduated. I hadn't used in two years. I didn't like the people there that much or the president or how they did it, but I had to admit that my life was better with them running it than it ever did with me running it. So I had already gotten the evidence of the third step, but the only way I got it was I had to live in an institution, which I didn't want to do. Yeah, My life worked pretty good in Delancey Street when they were telling me what to do. But then they said, well, you can re-up for five more years. I wasn't drawn to that. I don't want to be institutionalized. Yeah. So, But I, it was going to look like that's the only way it was going to work in this life. And then I came to AA, and AA gave me a way to be uh, managed, but not supervised. Yeah? Managed, but not supervised. I don't need someone looking over my shoulder anymore. Because I have, I feel like something's looking out of my heart. Yeah, so it worked. I'm so freaking happy because I just didn't like that feeling of being told what to do all day. So the second step to me is an observational step. I don't think there's anything you need to do because it says we came to believe, which is like a past tense. In other words, something's already happened. So how that happened with me? I went to meetings like this, not like this, but regularly. I mean. And I went there, and I did. It describes it in the in the fear inventory. It says you made decisions based on fear, that set off trains of circumstances that bring you misfortune, that you feel you don't deserve. What are you going to feel? Resentful, yeah. And then the resentment is going to motivate you another decision out of fear, more trains of circumstances, more misfortune, yeah. So on and so forth. What happened with me? I made a decision based out of hope. Yeah. I went to my first meeting, and they told me come back. I said, okay, I hope you're right. And they said, listen, if you want to stay sober, sit in the front, listen to the person, yeah, and after the meetings, talk, talk to some people. I said, okay, I hope you're right. And I started to make decisions based on hope, and because AA produces the goods, the hope was replaced by belief very quickly, because I saw it working. There's no big leap of faith. I hadn't drank in three weeks. That's all I needed to see. So I came to believe that a power greater than myself. So now what was happening, I was making decisions based on belief that set off trains of circumstances. But these circumstances brought me fortune. I didn't, didn't feel I deserved. And what did that provoke? Gratitude. And I started to get grateful to AA because it was saving my freaking ass. I don't think there's, there's no rocket science in it. Yeah. So that was step two to me. Step three, I feel that the, the biggest unspoken step precedes step three, which is to quit playing God. So to recognize how the thought system's playing God. When you wake up in the morning, it tells you how the day's going to be, doesn't it? It's always telling you how you were like, how you are like, how you're going to be like, for sure. How they were like, how they are like, how they go. You don't see that pontification as God? Playing God? You're never going to be loved. What the fuck is that? <laughs> Don't even try. You'll never succeed. Anything you do. Oh, great one. You're great seeing of, of everything. That's playing God. Where is it getting the godlike juice? From you. If you don't believe it, like Jesus says, it's done according to your belief. As you believe, so it is. 
If you believe you're a long-lasting separate entity, it will seem to be so here. And then you may be looking for your own nature outside of it. You may be running around trying to get spirituality when you are spirit. So the third step is just very clearly, the first and second that brought me to this incredible invitation. Hey, why don't you turn your will and your life over to care, not to the Lancey Street this time, not to the state you know, penitentiary, but to uh, the higher power. And we're going to make it really easy for you of your own understanding. Oh, right. uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, mine's working out really well. This is my fifth meeting today. So I'm just doing research. I'm going to write a book about all of you. You know? No. You know what I mean? You really, people have this vain idea that they have a choice. You're fucked. <laughs> Literally. It's over. If you're ending up in places like this, it's done. <laughs> it's done deal. It ain't going to regress back to how it used to be. First of all, because it wasn't like that anyway. It isn't. It's too late. Yeah? There's a, you know, it's coming. Grab the rope. <laughs> it's like, a, you know, you've been hoping for the bus. It's pulled up. The doors are open. Get in. Oh, let me tell you, I've been hoping for you to come. Get in. Get into the program. Now. Oh, wait, I've just been longing. Let me hold on to it. No. Longing's over. In. <laughs> Come on, chop, chop. <laughs> but, <laughs> so the third step is basically the biggest concept of the program, yeah? but preceded by one that's not usually addressed, which is the quit playing God. I don't think there can be true fruition of the third step unless you look at what's playing God. Because if it's playing God with everything in your life, it's also going to play God with you doing the third stuff. And it's going to take back what you said you surrendered and take it back when it wants to and then surrender it when it gets hot. Take it back. There's no way that any stable peace and happiness and joy can land there. It's agitated. Yeah. So then the third step says, all right. See, my idea of surrender was like I'd be on a cliff, you know, overlooking the ocean with a lot of wind blowing through my hair. With people who hated me and loved me, looking at me adoringly. Oh, yes, Paul finally gave it up. And all like this. But what they tell me when I talked about the surrender, they said, go home and start writing an inventory. That's not how I thought it was going to be. You know what I mean? I didn't think I had to do anything after I surrendered. No, the first thing is, go home and start looking at it and write out the basic expressions of self that have defeated you. Looking at resentment, fears, and harm done to others. Looking at your sexual behavior. Yeah? And then when you do it, and you do the columns, if however you do it, the four columns. Remember, everyone who's getting loaded tonight does the first two columns. They know why they're mad and who they're mad at. But there's no relief there. The fourth, as we go away from them, and the light comes on us, unbelievable relief is available here and none there. Yeah? So now we do the inventory, and we're looking at it, and if you do a nice, a good, uh, you know, a sufficient one, you'll see the patterns of how self has defeated you. Yeah? Now you have a recognition of the parasite. So then you do the force-up, then you share it with, a, with someone, and it's a, th- it's a trinity. It's not you and just the other person. It's the higher power is there. Yeah? The higher power is facilitating the whole event. It's not you and the guy or the woman. It's us. 
the, the Trinity. In that, you share it, some illumination may come from the person. They'll point out things you're not seeing about yourself. Then what occurs is, you're ready to go to six and seven. And the six and seven is, you know, you're entirely ready to have these removed, these meaning those defects of character that are blocking you off from the sunlight of the spirit. Yeah, And then seven is, hey, I'm humbly ready to have it removed. I'm humbly asked that power to remove it. Now, to me, six and seven is, is a living event. Yeah, Because what will happen is, the things that you didn't see before will now be illuminated by the fourth and fifth step, and you'll start seeing them formulate. Yeah? You'll start seeing the defeat formulate, and when you see it, it's coming right out of the oven. There, surrender it then. I like it at meetings. You know, So if someone shares something that I, I have a sense has happened in here, I say immediately, all right, I'm entirely ready to have this. I'm hearing it right now. Not this after it's a month old. It's fucking neutered then. There's no life to it, yeah? It's dead already. You're just a storage unit with it now. But this is when it's alive, yeah? It's alive, so I say, hey, I'm entirely ready to have this, which, which is I'm seeing now, which I didn't see before the fourth and fifth step. I am now seeing it, and please, will you take it away? And you know what? There's a lot of juice in the meaning. There's a lot of power of that loving presence, and I'll tell you, it works. I've been using it for years that way, yeah? So six and seven is every time you get an illumination about the pre- of the pattern of selfing, instead of trying to have knowledge about it or dissecting yourself, you surrender it. You give it over to the care of that other power. Yes? You just see it. That's all that you need to do and a willingness to let it go. So that's six and seven. Eight, you just make a list of the people you've harmed. Yeah? And sometimes out of the fourth step, but sometimes everyone you've harmed isn't on the fourth step. Like, I I robbed liquor stores, and I didn't have a resentment or a fear about those people. I didn't even know them. So I owed them, but I owed them amends. You know, I owed them amends. So they're on my list too, right? So I do, so now I do eight, I take the list, and all, it doesn't say anything. It says, just be willing to make the amends. It doesn't say, you better do it. It says, hey, if you're willing. And so what happened is, Things that I had been conveniently avoiding for years started showing up in my life. People, I'd, I'd be driving, and I'd see a guy I owed money to. My reaction was to speed up. <laughs> the program would hit me, and I'd pull over, and I'd say, hey, come on in. I owe you 48 bucks from that phone bill I stiffed you for, and stuff like that. That's what would happen. My first inclination was to do it the old way, but AA had sufficiently stepped in, yeah, and altered that, so now I was willing to face up to the past. And I'm telling you, to me, the ninth step is the most powerful step. Because I real, from the relief I got from the ninth step, I was entrenched in the past. Yeah? I have an experience with it. There was a market in a... I, lived, I was in an area called North Beach in one of my bottoms, living there in San Francisco. And there was a market there that I used to go in with one of those long raincoats. It was like an overcoat. And I'd steal like a couple of flank steaks, you know, something flattish, slipping in my pants in the back and take two 16-ounce beers and stick it in my pants here. And that was my sustenance until I could get some drugs later, yeah? And I did this month after month at this market. So I get sober, yeah? I'm not thinking about that market much. And there's a meeting in the area on Thursday nights I'd like to go to. But now... Every time I drive there and parking is a premium in San Francisco, I won't go down the block that Rossi Market is on. 
Yeah, I don't, I'm trying to stay away from that. This is my solution. This is my managing. I'm going to just going to avoid it at all costs. Yeah. And then look around for space. Hey, why don't you? No, I can't go down there. You know? <laughs> and then one day I just said, screw it. And I, I walked in. I said, where's the manager? And they said, he's upstairs. So I go up there and I tell him. You always, it's a very good thing to, to tell them that you're in a program of recovery. That's, to me, that's how I was taught. So I say, listen, I'm in a program of recovery, and I used to live around here, and I stole quite a lot of stuff out of you, and I, wanted, I had like 53 bucks, you know? And I gave it to him. And then I left, you know? And I never thought of Rossi's Market again. So that space that had become a storage unit of not, avo- not avoiding Rossi's Market was freed up, yeah? And that's what we've become. With all those untaken un- care of past, you're like a storage unit. When you're meant to have two windows open and a lot of wind of life flowing through you, you're, everything's shut down and you're just stored with past shit. How are you going to receive anything if you're chock full of stuff? Yeah. So the ninth step was one of the biggest things because I stopped looking over my uh, metaphorical shoulder. I was freed from it because I did the amends. Yeah, it was incredible. It was really good. And the fifth step and the ninth step, what it brought into my life was the biggest thing I was missing, which is what I am, truly. Mm. I was absent, even though I was so mentally present in this life, what I am was absent, in a way, from this life. And the program allowed it to come back into my life. And that's what I'd been looking for the whole time. That was the source of satisfaction, just being me. So then 10 is I continue to take personal inventory. And when I'm wrong, promptly admit it as quick, as quick as you can. Because this is instead of having to do that big screen cleaning, right now, let's say the hose is pretty cleaned out. Just keep running some water in it every, every day, doing these little inventories. And then you keep the hose pretty clean. Yeah. Instead of having the hose not have any water come through in it, what happens? Shit builds up in it. Yeah, resentments and fears, they start finding a lodging place in your life. And every space they take, that's like dead space. There's no living presence there. You're never going to meet God in the past or the future. All you meet is your mental fucking God there, which is self. Yeah. So 10 is, is to continue to take inventory. Step 11 is through prayer and meditation, right? cultivate your conscious contact. And actually step 11 has a, a little inventory too. Because it's crazy. Let's say if I just did shot a, uh, shot some coke, I'm not going to s- sit in meditation for a half hour, right? <laughs> I'm not. I've just agitated my head, and then I'm going to think I'm going to calm down. So if you've got a lot of shit running, meditation ain't going to solve that. You've got to do the inventory, yeah, to look at what's going on, and if you can make some uh, amends to what that is, so that your mind, at least out here, is calm. And then you can sit and start improving your contact with that. It doesn't make the contact. You are spirit. But you can improve that contact by diminishing the mental state, which is where the selfing lives. Selfing is in the mental realm. Yeah? We're, the 12 steps to me diminish the mental state, which is selfing. And then what you are becomes obvious. It doesn't produce what you are. You are that. But it unproduces what you think you are because that can be unproduced. Because it's produced. Yeah? So it starts going like this, and then the spirit gets, becomes obvious in your own life to you, in a way. Yeah? 
So that's 11. And then, then you, just, you just accept the broader agenda of, of AA, which is I'm going to practice these principles of all my affairs. And what I had to do in the beginning, I couldn't do that, so I limited my affairs. That's what I did. I couldn't practice it in all my affairs, so I limited my affairs. I can't be going out with two babes at once. It just wasn't working. <laughs> I really can't. It doesn't work. A lot of things that I used to do out there didn't work. I tried to go to the clubs the first year, and I'd be trying to charm a babe, and the words, and they just fell in midair. <laughs> I just went, sorry, took them, and just left. Because it wasn't the right thing to do anymore at that time. It didn't mean I can't go back at a late date, but at that point, I needed to be concentrating on this sobriety. Because without this sobriety, nothing else can be built on my life. Yeah? It's nothing. So then I, t- so it says, practice these principles, all your affairs, and then to uh, help other people to achieve sobriety. Yeah. and support them in that pursuit. And that's what we do here. That's the lifeblood of our program. Yeah, I mean, everyone can run a beautiful program out of their bedroom, but it's here. <laughs> it's at the meetings. It's, out, it's engaged. Yeah, That's what happens. And then you have it by giving it away. That's the lifeblood. This blood runs by giving it away, not having it. You have it giving it away. Yeah. While you're giving it away, that's how you have it. You can't grab it, you can't own it, you can't you can't claim it, but you have it by giving it away. If you're open to be available to others, that will be available to you. And it's I tell you, it's the proven remedy. If you feel like you're up the ass of self, just do service. Yeah, I had, I did H and I for a long time, you know, hospital institutions, and I swear. It was the most miraculous panacea. No matter how emotionally screwed I was, 10 minutes of listening to these characters talk about what it was like and what it was like now, just immediately the tears would start running down my face. I was so freaking grateful for what we have been offered. Yeah? Because a lot of people aren't taking it and they're in a living freaking hell. Yeah? So, yeah, there you go. Now, if you asked me to talk about the 12 sets tomorrow, it would be a whole different take. Because it's fresh out of the oven. <laughs> you know, you couldn't, you couldn't sell stale bread to alcoholics. You fucking can't. You can't be running some fucking dead idea on them. They smell it from a mile away. It's got to be, you have to be entertaining what you're sharing at this moment, or it won't work. You know, it just won't. Well, I tell you. I really love this place. I love coming to Milestone. I just did a lot of talks at people who are quote unquote normal, you know. And one of the first thing that hits me is they don't really have a problem. And actually, their problem now is spiritual seeking. And they don't have a 28 day program, they don't have interventions. They don't have people coming over and taking all their little spiritual books and help, self help books away, and their DVDs, and, and canceling their signing up for the next retreat. They don't have that. We have a solution to our situation. But spiritual seeking is an addiction in and of itself. It precludes you ever finding anything, because that's not the point. It's seeking, it's agitation begetting agitation. In the hunt of stillness. That's the really weird thing, yeah? You're hunting stillness and peace, but you're agitated as hell. <laughs> 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 that makes 
makes absolutely no sense, doesn't it? Yeah. I'll really be great then, but how are you now? Well, I'm moving towards this great still moment, but how are you? I'm agitated as fuck. Yeah. Trying to get the right yogic outfit, or get the right size pillow for that 12-hour retreat. <laughs> I had a guy who lived in a compound in Australia. This guy, very rich guy, and he was just, he was into spirituality, and so was I then. So me and my girlfriend had a cabin, and every day he wanted to meditate at five thirty. So he'd drive around in this like little go kart, a golf cart, all around the facil- all around the premises where all the houses were, and tell everyone you can't make any noise from five thirty to six thirty. So he's totally agitated. Setting up for a peaceful hour. You know what I, mean? I said, what about 529? Peace only starts at 530 till 630? You're fucked up right now. <laughs> Driving around demanding everyone shut up. I need peace. <laughs> you don't see the insanity of that? I did. I said, what the hell? <laughs> Yeah, that's it, eh? Any questions? We gotta leave like four in the morning. Michael is so nice because he didn't really know the time I was leaving. I just broke it to him now. I gotta get there at like what? Five thirty? Six? Figured great. I gotta go to North Carolina. Fuck! I gotta do two talks tomorrow, but one out of rehab, which is gonna be great. I'm at a retreat speaking. And then someone's coming to get me to talk at this uh, big rehab in, North, in Raleigh, North Carolina, which I'm excited about. It'll be cool. Yep. Yeah. Steve Alcoholic. Hey, Steve. I just want to thank you. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm in my 14th year, and uh, I just totally have hit a wall, and everything you said tonight was uh, I'll take home and you know, try to Good, try yes, to do exactly. it now because it's just – I'm like, I'm sober 14 years. How come I'm not – and the whole thing about, you know, you're not your thoughts and – this totally is what I need, so thank you. Exactly. I run into it a lot. People in that 10 to something level, they start feeling like AA doesn't have something on offer they need, but it does. We're just not seeing it. So that's what happened. Like when this dawned on me, instead of leaving the program, I wanted, I wanted to bring it back to the program, yeah, and share it. Because a lot of people in the program suffer from that thing of contempt prior to investigation. You try to bring something in, and they go, that's not AA. So they're actually not living a big statement in the book. You know, They don't even investigate. It's just not AA. So why not? We're doing it in a stealth way. We're bringing it into AA, like in where I live. They couldn't get rid of me because I had a lot of credibility. I did a lot of service my first 15 years. So now, you know, they love to fucking rip my head off, I think, some of them, but they can't get to me. So we're, like, using stealth to bring some new freaking ideas in that may regenerate and reinvigorate your program. Exactly. That's the point of it. Yeah. It's not only caring for the newcomer. They didn't have, the, the longest time they had was four years when the book was written. Yeah. We have people with 40, 50 years. It's eight. The, the life of alcohol, freedom from alcohol, is an organic thing, an event. They didn't see past four years. That's where they were at. We've got 40, 50 years people have. And there are things that have happened that don't happen in the first few years. They happen in the 12th and 13th year. Yeah, People run out of juice, in a sense. And then the, that sense of uh, irritability, restlessness, this can't, though muffled, is a little st- still there. Yeah, so we're 
mean, what you said about six and seven, man, totally, I totally uh, identify with it is I can't wait till one of my character defects is that's the moment. <laughs> that's the moment. Not that I sat down with a guy two weeks ago and talked about my... But the moment my character defect comes in and that pause is there, that's the moment. Exactly. That's the delivery. I believe so. Because God is a present. God is a present tense verb. It's now. It doesn't have any time in it. We put the time in it. It's all timeless. So this is the moment where the delivery is available. This is the moment when the garbage man is coming. The garbage man just doesn't come at seven. Every moment you can put your shit out and it'll be taken. <laughs> Literally. And I like the power of the meeting. There's more juice here, so it hits me stronger. It's like almost putting in like a big vacuum. Yeah. Yep. Hello. Um, I just, what you shared tonight made me feel so much better. I, I just have a question for you. Yeah. I'm struggling exactly what you spent the most time on, which is step three. Um, I am constantly taking my will back. And um, what, like you said, when you become, you know, how can you be peaceful when you're agitated? What do you recommend to do when you get agitated to get out of it? Or should I just feel it and just let it pass? There's a lot of things, but I would go try to help someone, go to a meeting, do like that. Stay in the we, yeah? And then, and then instead of hiding the agitation, reveal the agitation. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. That's what I would do. And then, like, for me, I did a lot of laundry my first year. <laughs> a lot of laundry. I mean, I watched a lot of videos. I mean, my mind was fucking roaring. And I and sometimes I couldn't be at enough meetings. To, I had to find ways, and so cleaning my house worked a lot and stuff. I kept myself freaking busy. Yeah? You. Can, that's one of the big things in the program. There's so much to do here with each other. Yeah? So take advantage of the week. And then when... when your head says you don't want to do it. Maybe entertain. That's not you speaking. Yeah, I don't listen to my head. The head's gonna, the head is gonna tell me I'm not really uh, sober when I'm sober. You know, you'll be sitting here and you'll be going, I'm not really sober. Yes, you are. You're sober right now. But the head will be going, Oh, I beg to differ. Oh, you're not really sober. It's all bullshit. The whole freaking thing up there. you got to... If they're not your thoughts, I'll tell you, an immunity will start setting in. As le- at least if you can recognize them as alcoholic thoughts, that will give you a little space. It's taking them to be your thoughts that causes you not to be able to disobey them. Yeah? Mm. Uh, man, that thing's insane. The same voice that was talking to you when you were shooting up is what's critiquing your program right now. The same voice. It hasn't changed one iota. Yeah, it's 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 playing it's it's hunkered down a little bit because it's been exposed, but it's at work doing its little thing all the time. The same voice that said this is a great idea to shoot this coke, is the same voice that's sitting there. You're not really sober. You know this is that. It's all bullshit. I'm serious. It's like K Paul. It's a radio station selling you golden oldies all day. It's all baloney. It's all advertisement with no delivery. Program delivers the goods. That's why it doesn't need any advertising. 
Yeah? If you do what we do, you're going to get what we get. Have faith in the program. Trust the process. This process has worked for many of us in this room, some for 25 years and longer. Yeah, who are you to be so different? You have the same thing that we suffer from, and then we have found a lasting relief. Do what we've done, and you're going to get what we've got. And you're going to wear it in a unique way, which is going to be beautiful. And you'll be used to help other people. Yeah? Yeah. You're not going to be left alone. This power will use you to help other people. Yeah? That's what it does. This isn't about you and me. It's about us. Yeah? We're here to be of service to the suffering alcoholic. That's the job. Yeah? And it's, it has a lot of benefits. Huge amount of benefits. Yeah? Haven't you ever seen, you may not recognize him yourself, but you see a guy who came in and you've been watching him after six months, all that fucking heaviness is dropping off. It's just miraculous, over and over again. More different guys, same event, same event, same event. Eyes getting clearer, a little more light in them. They're coming too. They're coming too in this intensive care unit. And we get to be, we can, we get to be patients and nurses at the same time. The whole thing is run by the patients, and yet we play the role of nurses and this and that all day. It's fucking great. Yeah? I go to more meetings now than I did. The only time I went to more meetings was the first year. I go to, more, I go to four or five meetings a week at my, where I live. I don't, you know, I don't think about, should I go to meetings? Just which one? I'm in the habit of it. And I enjoy it. I like getting together with people for an hour. I do. I hear about stuff that I'm not hearing in my head anymore. It's very helpful because I've seen people who forget to go to meetings forget that they're alcoholics. I don't want to forget that. You know? This thing, you can have a 30-year resume. It can be ripped up in one night. Yeah? What takes 30 years to build through sobriety can be moved by one fucking drink. Yeah? This is something to honor honor the gift because it's fragile in some ways. It's incredibly durable but it's fragile. If you give in, give in to the thought system, right, you're probably going to get loaded because it's going to lead you to fuck it sooner or later. It will tell you, maybe you'll start for a week, you'll play, you'll build up to it like they're out to get me at work, they're planning on firing me and then, you know, so you don't go in on Tuesday so they do fire you so you get me right and you go to the bar you start and you just basically hit fuck it and then you say, I'll show them and you drink and then you're screwed. Yeah. That's it's surrender. Alcoholic surrender is fuck it. Alcoholism, when you surrender to alcoholism, it's fuck it. That's the surrender. Once you give over to it, once it's like a G, it's like the bottle. Let's say I have a little problem with jealousy, right? If I drink, I'm up on stalking charges in about three weeks. Seriously, whatever defects of character are there are going to be amplified as soon as I give it its fuel. It's like there's these things. I'll go on a little longer. I'm into this. So, <laughs> then I'm going to be burnt out by the time I get to North Carolina. Anyway. So let's say there's, there's stuff in your, your system, your intestines. They call it candida, right? Like this, it's like a bacteria, very, very old, almost like a fungus, and it lives in your gut, and it has it has some food requirements and what it likes, which is, is like sugary flour stuff. Yeah, so it can't go out and shop the candida. It has intelligence. It can't go out and buy the white Wonder Bread and stuff. 
But what it does is it jacks into the thought system and tells you you really want to get some Wonder Bread. And then you'll be saying, oh, I love bagels. I'm such a great lover of bagels. That was produced by the fucking Candida in your gut because it wants that fuel. Yeah? Same thing as alcoholism. It can't, alcoholism cannot drink. It doesn't have a mouth. Yeah? But it wants the effects of that fuel. So it has to convince this because this is the only thing that can pick up the beer and put it in the mouth. It's the only thing that can take the needle and put it in the pour. Yeah? So what does it do? It talks in a way, a very convincing manner to you until it brings you to fuck it and then it starts talking as you. And then you're at the 7-Eleven buying that shit. Yeah? Once it gets the fuel, it's over. You're now on a run. Yeah? And you're going to stop when it wants to stop. That's what it does. It's like a it's like a fucking crazed jockey. You're the horse. Let's say you're freed from that jockey. You're in the stable getting nice grass and oats and everything. Then the jockey walks in. You're a little afraid. You've heard this before. And it starts talking at you. Oh, don't worry. It's going to be different this time. You know, okay, just let me get on. No, no. You're like, no. And then it gets his leg on. As soon as it's on, it's over. It's galloping out. And now you're on a run. You're being used for transportation. It is. I've seen it. I've seen it happen to me. I spent two years in a program, and I got possessed again. I left in one week. The parasite took me over again. And it was a possession. I went on a 10-month run. That was worse than any other time. Because I had two years of being freed from it somewhat through an institution. To be retaken over was totally pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization. And thank God, but by the grace, I got washed up in the shores of AA, and I've been sober ever since. Institutions couldn't do it. My mother couldn't do it. The state couldn't do it. But this divine providence did it. It brought me sobriety. And my job is to honor it, yeah, basically, by passing it on and entertaining it. So. Yes. So this thing, alcoholism, needs you. Without your compliance, that's why it talks as you in your head. It's not you. Yeah. It knows you wouldn't listen to it. But you will listen to it if it, you think it's it, you. That's how it gets you. It's got, it's got a great strategy because the parasite knows it would be squished and kicked off immediately, but it's convinced the host that it's the host. So you're listening to it as if it's you. When it's not, it doesn't have your best wishes at heart. It doesn't. It's trying to convince you to lead you to a point of fuck it where you walk out of this program and you'll be up Shit's Creek. I was in a program called Delancey Street. They had a glass door at where we lived. Yeah, You could see people starting to get mad and resentful. And so, let's say at five in, at night, and they're walking around huffing and puffing. And we had a thing when you got mad at someone or something, you put it in this box, and we'd have these games like attack therapy. But they weren't doing that. They were huffing and puffing, and they were thinking, and suddenly they just left. Yeah, But all, they, all the possibilities they thought of totally changed when they got past the door. They had no money, no place to go, and they weren't getting back in at 11 o'clock. If they got back in, they had to sit on the bench again. They could have been made to wait for a day. And the Delancey Street people may have said, we don't want you. Yeah? But while, if you believe you know what's going to happen, you have no clue. You'll be thinking all the things you think, and they're not what's going to happen if you get loaded. You're going to be in a new revised hell. 
Yeah? I've seen it over and over again. People think, well, I could leave AA. AA will be the same. Yeah, we may be the same, but you're not. I've seen people who love the meetings. Now they don't like the meetings. The compulsion was moved, removed. Now it's back. My first fairy princess, she's under the throes of it right now. Cannot get sober again for two years. Last time I ran into her, she was could smell the liquor all over. It's coming out of her skin. You know, and those eyes are glazed over. She's not in the grace. The grace is there, but she's not accessing it. And that's the thing she told me she most sorely misses is the sense of the presence of the spirit. Yet it's not God. She is. The spirit's there, but she isn't able to receive it. And it's hard to watch if because I knew her and I liked her a lot, and I still like all of the years I've liked her. But her look is totally different than it was for the last twenty years I knew her. So. Yes. Hey, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I still have shirts, too. Get the last shirts. They're all in there. A lot of kinds. <laughs>